0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Good to be back behind the microphone after nearly a a month away. Again, my thanks to Joseph for uh, so ably filling in for me. Over the next few days, as we get the time, I hope to share some of my experiences as I traveled across a, a good portion of the country. But first, coming up on today's program. Last
2: night in Kabul, the United States ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan, the longest war in American history.
1: It can only be described as damage control as President Biden puts an unbelievable spin on the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan that has left thousands behind, many in grave danger at the hands of the Taliban. We'll uh, be joined by Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin in just a moment. Also, in addition to the people being left behind, billions of dollars of military hardware, vehicles, assault rifles, machine guns were left behind as well. Now, some claim these items were destroyed. Were they or could they possibly be used to harm Americans and our allies? We'll talk with Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the First Green Beret elected to Congress. And good news from the Virginia State Supreme Court. Do you remember the Loudoun County physical ed teacher, Tanner Cross? He was suspended for speaking out at a public school board hearing on the asinine transgender policy that they were pursuing. The state high court upheld a lower court ruling that ordered the school system to reinstate Tanner. We'll talk with Ryan Bangert of Alliance Defending Freedom, who represented Tanner, about the importance of this decision for the First Amendment. We'll also get an update on the devastating impact of Hurricane Ida here in Louisiana from Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry a little later on the program. And finally, attorney and radio talk show host Larry Elder joins me with a look at the leftist agenda that California Governor Gavin Newsom has pursued in his first three and a half years as governor. It appears that the proverbial chickens may have come home to roost as Californians are tired of the wacky policy Newsom has championed. We'll talk about it with Larry Elder coming up later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me encourage you, if you've not already done so, download the Stand Firm app so that you can have Washington Watch at your fingertips, but more importantly, you can have action items. This program is about encouraging, strengthening, informing, but activating Christians across this nation to be a source of light and truth in our public policy, whether it's at local, state, or national level. So download the Firm app so you know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Also, uh, speaking of Louisiana and Mississippi, the folks uh, in this region are just beginning to sort through the rubble and the devastation left behind in the wake of Hurricane Ida. Now, while many are still in need of emergency relief, the full recovery effort, uh, I can speak from experience. I uh, went through the city uh, yesterday through, uh, through Baton Rouge, through the parish. Uh, fortunately, Baton Rouge kind of missed a lot of it on the east, on the west side of the storm, but southeastern portion of Louisiana and Mississippi hit very, very hard, as we've been talking with pastors and others on the ground there. And so... The Family Research Council is once again going to be partnering with those on the ground by putting forth a $25,000 match. Now, how are we going to use that? Well, in part, we're working once again with Samaritan's Purse, outstanding organization. We're going to be, we're helping them. I've been working with them to locate uh, churches to set up operating facilities. And uh, we'll be uh, providing other things for them as well as working directly with some of our partner churches Uh, that are, that have been hardest hit by this storm. So here's what's going to happen. I want to encourage you to join with us in ministering on the ground to those who are hurting uh, and helping the churches minister in this moment of opportunity. So visit frc.org slash relief to support this relief effort. Again, the Family Research Council taking $25,000 out of our general budget to uh, use in uh, partnering with Samaritan's Purse and some of the local churches. So again, go to frc.org slash relief to be a part of this. And again, a little bit later, the Attorney General for the State of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, is going to be joining us. He was flying over the southern region of the state earlier today and he's going to give us a bird's eye view of what he saw. 24 hours after the last plane carrying U.S. forces left Afghanistan, President Biden addressed the American people this afternoon, proclaiming that the U.S. war in Afghanistan has come to an end.
2: The decision to end the military airlift operations at Kabul Airport was based on the unanimous recommendation of my civilian and military advisors, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and all the service chiefs and the commanders in the field.
1: Meanwhile, between 100 and 200 Americans reportedly are still seeking evacuation, not to mention the thousands of Afghan allies who believe that the United States would save them from the Taliban. Will President Biden keep his promise to get out all of those who wish to leave Afghanistan? That's what he said this afternoon. Well, joining me now to talk about this and more is FRC's Executive Vice President, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, who is one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He also spent the last four years of his 36-year military career serving as Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. General, welcome back to to the program. Thank you,
3: Tony. Glad to be with you.
1: All right. The president says his actions were based upon the recommendation of his civilian and military leaders. Were they telling him what he wanted to hear or what he
3: needed to hear? Now, Tony, I think we we need to go back and listen to what he said again. He said the decision, I think, to end the longest war in American history was a unanimous recommendation. That may be true, and I suspect that it is. I don't know of anyone who wanted the war to continue. However, what he didn't say was that the uh, there was a unanimous recommendation that he execute the plan that he executed, which is why we're where we are right now. That, was, uh, that plan was about as backwards as anything that I have ever seen. and They did everything wrong. He made every wrong decision, and he didn't say that that was a unanimous
1: recommendation to do what they did. And therein lies one of the issues that you, along with a number of other uh, milit- retired military leaders, have been raising, and that is the, um, the the fact that some of the top military leaders we have are really not doing this country the service they should. In fact, they're doing a disservice to the president by not speaking out and challenging some of the decisions that he's making. They are indeed, Tony. And uh,
3: at their first uh, press conference, the the two of them together, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, they said they didn't have adequate resources. They didn't have the resources that they needed to go out and get Americans and bring them in so that they could be rescued and evacuated. Well, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, uh, you should have asked for the, those uh, resources that you needed. You should have asked for the Delta Force, the Marines, the uh, SEAL Team 6, those rescue units, And the second thing that's wrong with that is if you did ask for them and you didn't get it, then you don't have the influence with the president that you need to have. Therefore, you don't need to be in the positions that you're in. And that's what our letter was about. It was about accountability. It was about accountability by two people that are key members of the president's national security apparatus. And they failed one way or the other. They failed. And I think that's why we wrote. This letter uh, asking for their resignation,
1: talking about uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Chairman of the uh, Joint Chiefs, uh, uh, General Mark Milley, Mark Milley to, uh, to to step down, and that uh, of course was uh, signed by almost a hundred retired generals and admirals. I think that number is actually growing. It is uh, as the letter gives out, there more want to sign on to it. Uh, l- let me go back to the the, the president's decision to withdraw. Now, I, I listened to uh, his speech today, and quite frankly, I think he, he talked about a lot of things except what was at the heart of this. I think you're absolutely right. I didn't agree, I didn't disagree with the fact that at some point we needed to get out of Afghanistan. I mean, 20 years of being in Afghanistan is a, a, a lengthy period of time, and we can't be the world's policemen and be everywhere. But it's the method in which we left that is at the heart of this issue, the fact that we really, I think, tucked tailed, uh, tucked our tail, and we ran. I want to play another clip of what the president had to say today, uh, really kind of justifying this um, haphazard exit from the country. Clip number three, please.
2: Previous administration's agreement said that if we stuck to the May 1st deadline that they had signed on to leave by, the Taliban wouldn't attack any American forces. But if we stayed, all bets were off.
1: So we were letting the the Taliban decide how and when we were going to be leaving. Yeah, I mean, look, clearly it's uh, it's uh, former President
3: Trump's fault. And uh, you know, Tony, can I just say this? I, I, this is this is a black mark on American history, and I and I think that this is one of the darkest periods uh, in the 245 years that we've been a nation, and I think that going forward we need to decide what we are uh, all about. What, What do we stand for as a nation? Because right now our allies don't trust us. Our enemies know that we are weak, and we'll take advantage of that and exploit that, and our values are very questionable now and one of those values is that we'll never leave an American behind and the president even said that at the beginning of all of this and then backed away. So what are we? What are our values? What are our American values that we're willing to stand by, that we're willing to sacrifice for, that we may even be willing to die for? What are those values? And right now, I think that the whole nation is in a state of confusion about that.
1: Well, what I take away from the president's statement there is that we were, I'm just going to say, afraid of the Taliban. Yeah. Because if they, if, if we set our own timeline and we didn't make it because we wanted to get all of the people out that we wanted to get out and the Taliban wanted to, to take action against us, well, I mean, we just, we just knock them down. Now, I, I, I'm not for uh, gratuitous violence but we have to protect our interest and we are supposed to be the most advanced uh, equipped fighting force in the world and we're going to let the taliban determine for us the time frame because we it sounds what the president was saying to me says that he's afraid that we're afraid of the taliban
3: i don't think there's any question that that's what he was saying and and i think that I, and i don't think that his spokespeople have uh have done or said anything to dissuade us of that notion or that understanding of what he was saying there. He was afraid of the Taliban. I mean, look, if they when the Taliban uh, apparently, according to the latest reports, said, look, we'll we'll let you control Kabul until you're out of here. And we we decided that we didn't want to do that. And we gave it to them. We told them that we would prefer that they handle it. What is that all about? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, this is just crazy, and uh, we're, we're going to pay for this.
1: Well, General Boykin, I think you're absolutely right. It is one of the, uh, I think, the darkest days in American history when we, we do need to step back and ask the question, who are we? What do we really believe? What are we made of? What are those values that are uh, transcendent, those values that we pass from one generation to the next? Because certainly uh, these are not the type of values that build an enduring nation. General Jerry Boykin, thanks so much for joining us. And it's not the people that were just left a lot behind. Lots more. Don't go away. We're back after this.
4: When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply Scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that Scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for His kingdom, to grow us, and to bring us closer to Him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash
5: pro-life maps.
6: Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, back in the chair after about a month away. Good to be back. Uh, so glad that you are with us. Again, let me encourage you to uh, join us in uh, the effort to uh, provide the relief directly to Uh, Those on the ground in uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, working with churches and Samaritan's First, go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over. All right, the Biden administration would probably like nothing more than to put the Afghanistan catastrophe behind them. But it's clear that the August 31st withdrawal deadline was not the end. A lot of questions remain, and they need answers. Questions over the equipment that was left behind, billions of dollars of equipment, about the Americans and the Afghan allies who are still stranded there, and how the Biden administration should be held accountable. Also, with the Taliban now in complete control, what does the growing threat of terrorism in the region mean for America, our allies, Um What's that look like? Well, joining me now to talk about this is U.S. Congressman Mike Waltz. He is a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, a decorated special forces officer with multiple combat tours in Afghanistan, the Middle East and Africa. He serves the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman, welcome back to the program.
7: Yeah, thank you, uh, Tony, and welcome back, and, and uh wish you were coming back to something a little more positive than this uh, historic disaster. That the well, you know, I was right having
1: now. a pretty I was having a pretty good time away and uh, <laughs> everything seemed to be calm until about the last week. And then all of this began to to break. And I know you were on the show a couple of times uh, in that time period. So I appreciate that. And your insight. And You were one of the first ones I wanted to talk to when I got back. L- let me first get your reaction to the president's address today.
7: Well, it was essentially, you know, a repeat of um, on the one hand, saying, I take responsibility for this policy, but then in the same breath, uh, blaming the Afghan government, the Afghan army, uh, President Trump, right, and uh, the the military for their recommendations, and basically everybody else but him and his uh, immediate team. So, you know, again, we just see this continuation of weak and feckless, Uh, leadership, but I'm happy to unpack all of those excuses uh, and how they fall flat. But at the end of the day, we have a situation where uh, uh, the United States of America has left fellow Americans behind. I've been in touch with some of them as recently as today that are still trapped. Uh, We are about to enter into a mass hostage situation uh, where the Taliban, every time they have a new demand, can take a new hostage. Uh, We have a situation where we're letting the terrorists dictate terms. Uh, And what has me so upset, Tony, at the end of the day, uh, is the blow to American credibility to our adversary and allies around the world. Uh, And the future uh, 9-11s, the future San Bernardinos or Pulse nightclubs that American soldiers will have to go back over there and deal with. But they'll face a situation where we now have no bases, no local allies because they're being hunted down and a terrorist army armed to the teeth with American equipment. Uh, It's despicable and it's outrageous.
1: Yeah, there's so much here to unpack in the president's speech. We could spend two days talking about it, but I want to focus on two. One, in his speech, I want to play a very short clip of those left behind and how he said we're going to get them out. Clip number five, please
2: critical thing to understand
1: the world
2: is changing we're engaged in a serious competition with china we're dealing with the challenges on multiple fronts with russia we're confronted with cyber attacks and nuclear proliferation we have to shore up america's competitive to meet these new challenges in the competition for the 21st century we can do both. Fight terrorism and take on new threats that are here now and will continue to be here in the future.
1: I, I chose the wrong clip, but that's a good that's a good jumping off point as well. As you talked about, yeah. uh, our 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 allies won't trust us. Our enemies won't fear us. Um, this is only emboldening China, North Korea and others. We're already seeing North Korea take actions.
7: Well, that's right. No. And the Chinese uh, state media has already sent multiple messages to Taiwan uh, that this is proof positive. Uh, the Biden administration won't stand with you. The Russians are doing same, the same, the Ukraine uh, and uh, the Baltic states. But here's the thing. Just in Afghanistan alone, China has won on multiple fronts. Bagram Air Base, our main air base and only air base in the in the region, Uh, uh, was the only one sandwiched between China, Russia, and Iran. It was just a few hundred miles from China's new ICBM fields. Uh, China also will now get access to over a trillion dollars of rare earths and critical minerals that power the economy of the future that are in Afghanistan. And further, China and Pakistan have a new ally in the Taliban against India. India uh, is even further isolated. So this is just wins across the board on top of the uh, propaganda win uh, uh, for China.
1: And and let me just talk briefly about the equipment left behind, billions of dollars. Now, the, the administration is saying that they've destroyed a lot of this, but I don't see the evidence of this. I assume this is something Congress is going to look into. Over 350,000 assault rifles, 42,000 trucks, uh, 22,000 Humvees. Ah, uh, sixty-four thousand machine guns, and and the administration says, "Oh, those things can't do much damage." I bet they could on the streets of America. I mean, this is this is unbelievable that we would leave this stuff behind.
7: No, that's right. It's not only going to do a lot of damage on the streets of America and Europe uh, when Al Qaeda and ISIS launch attacks again, but future special operations soldiers uh, that have to go back and deal with the terrorist threat back over in Afghanistan are going to have to fight their very own equipment, night vision goggles, body armor, uh, etc. Et uh, but to be clear, uh, the, the, the military handed it over to the Afghan army. Uh, but my point is, you know, we also at the same time pulled the rug out from the Afghan army. And when we saw it falling, we should have destroyed it. Biden did nothing right. and took no effective action.
1: I mean, that's normal procedure if things are going to fall into the hands of uh, the enemy. Congressman, we're out of time. Always great to talk with you. Look forward to visiting with you more in the days ahead.
7: Absolutely, Tony. We'll keep up the fight.
1: All right. Congressman Mike Waltz of Florida. All right. Coming up next, good news from the Supreme Court in Virginia. Tanner Cross goes back to work. We're going to talk about it next with his attorneys at Alliance Defending Freedom. Don't go away. Coming back with more Washington Watch right after this.
8: Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family,
4: and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAND to 67742 and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Also, if you'd like to... Uh, Join with us as we partner with Samaritan's Purse and a couple of the churches on the ground in Louisiana and Mississippi. A $25,000 match FRC is putting forward uh, to our listeners here of Washington Watch to help. I think the, the church has an opportunity to minister here. We're ministering directly with those on the ground. Go to frc.org slash Relief. A little bit later, Attorney General Jeff Landry of Louisiana is going to be joining us with an update. All right. Loudoun County, Virginia, seems to be a case study in all that is wrong with public school systems across the country. The county and its public schools have been in the national news this year for all the wrong reasons. Critical race theory, woke transgender na- pronoun policy, mask, the list goes on. You might recall back in May, Tanner Cross, who was a teacher at Leesburg Elementary, uh, spoke at a school board meeting, public forum, and, and he said this. And he was talking about the, the, the transgender pronoun policies and all of the stuff related to that. And he said this, quote, I am a teacher, but I serve God first. And I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it is against my religion. It's lying to a child. It's abuse to a child. Now, he was fired for that. However, Alliance Defending Freedom represented him. And uh, he was uh, won at the lower court. The school challenged that, took it all the way to the Virginia State Supreme Court, and they have now handed down a decision upholding the lower court's decision that he must be reinstated to his position. Joining me now is Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel and Vice President for Legal Strategy, uh, Ryan Bangert. He oversees ADF Center for Academic Freedom, which is handling Tanner's case. Uh, Ryan, welcome to Washington Watch. Oh, okay, I don't think uh, we got a little issue there getting connected. But the uh, the main point I want to focus on this, uh, the reason I want to focus on this, is this whole thing, uh, as as Loudoun County was doing this kind of stuff under the cover of darkness, and the parents, and inspired by a teacher speaking out, has really, I, I, it's kind of, kind of begun these brush friars of freedom all across America, where parents are going to the school board meetings. They're speaking out. They're challenging these. Uh, I, I'm trying to be careful with the words I select crazy programs. I mean, they are telling children not to talk to their parents uh, because their parents are fuddy. That is their old school. They don't understand that uh, boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And so, you know, your secret stays here at school. They're driving a wedge between parent and child. And joining me now here, we have him now, Ryan Bangert. Ryan, welcome to Washington Watch. Uh, Thank you, Tony. Pleasure to be here. A congratulations on this case, and I, I just want to quickly go to it before we run out of time. This is a, a major decision for the First Amendment freedoms of teachers. This is a big deal that the uh, Virginia State Supreme Court has upheld the lower court ruling.
9: I agree. It's a very significant ruling by the Virginia Supreme Court affirming that the trial court got it right. The trial court, remember in this case, this is a situation where a school teacher, Tanner Cross, spoke at a school board meeting, an open school board meeting, signed up to speak as a citizen against this policy. At the time, it was still a proposed policy. It's since been passed. Uh, More on that in a moment. But he simply voiced his objections as a citizen, and the school board suspended him for that, punished him for simply stating his beliefs at an open school board meeting. And the Virginia Supreme Court uh, said that the trial court got it right when it told the school to reinstate Mr. Cross to his position.
1: Now, I know that this is a decision limited to Virginia, but clearly it would have implications for other states because the facts are pretty much the same, that teachers don't surrender their right to speak as public citizens.
9: That's right. The Supreme Court has long held that teachers don't surrender their First Amendment rights when they pass beyond the schoolhouse gate. And the Virginia Supreme Court squarely came down on the side of the First Amendment in this ruling. And in fact, when the Virginia Supreme Court issued its ruling, it pointed out that Virginia law, the Virginia Constitution, is interpreted the same way and using the same principles as the U.S. Constitution. So this decision, even though it's only a Virginia state court decision, has implication beyond Virginia.
1: Well, uh, very quickly, before we run out of time, what's next uh, for ADF as it pertains to this case and other cases with teachers?
9: Yeah, so we're going to continue litigating this case. Uh, It's changed a little bit, and that was what I mentioned earlier, because the school district passed policy that uh, Tanner Cross was objecting to. So now all the teachers in Loudoun County Public Schools are required to use Pronouns, uh, even if those pronouns don't line up with the student's biological sex. So we have amended our complaint or asked the court to amend our complaint to challenge the policy on behalf of a number of teachers who have now joined the lawsuit to fight alongside Tanner Cross.
1: Oh, very good. Well, again, very grateful for Alliance Defending Freedom and the uh, the outstanding work that you do coming alongside all kinds of people, teachers public servants, anyone and everyone who has their First Amendment freedoms challenged. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
9: My pleasure. Thanks for all you do.
1: All right. uh, Ryan Bangert with Alliance Defending Freedom. Again, uh, ADF, great organization headed up by Mike Ferris, Alan Sears former president there, just doing outstanding work, and we uh, partner with them all the time. All right, coming up next, after the break, we're gonna hear from uh, the Attorney General of, of Louisiana, Jeff Landry, is gonna give us an update on what's happening in Louisiana, and we're gonna be talking to Larry Elder, talk show host and attorney in California, about the recall effort out there. Don't go away, back with more after this.
4: What is religious freedom, and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom.
6: Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org.
5: Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand. Or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marshall Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. Uh, before we uh, get into our next segment, I wanted to uh, provide an update on the situation in Louisiana and Mississippi that's, uh, that has been hit hard by Hurricane Ida. Now, with me now to uh, talk about the latest is the Attorney General of the state of Louisiana, my good friend Jeff Landry. Attorney General Landry, welcome back to the program.
10: Tony, it's always a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Uh,
1: now, Jeff, earlier today you, uh, you flew over the southeastern portion of Louisiana, part of the south, uh, saw firsthand some of the, uh, the devastation of uh, Hurricane Ida. Tell our listeners about it.
10: Yeah, look, uh, what's amazing is that the devastation is, uh, is, is truly broad uh, and horrific. Uh, we flew over Terrebonne and Lafourche Parish, uh, you can tell there's a distinct difference uh, as this storm moved uh, onshore, uh, the destruction that it caused. Uh, you know, uh, when you go down to places like Galeano uh, and Golden Meadow and La Rose and Raceland, uh, Dulac and uh, Chauvin, those places are really devastated. The amount of wind destruction is truly remarkable. It reminds me a lot of Hurricane Michael that affected the Panhandle of Florida some three or four years ago. Uh, uh, But I can tell you that uh, in a lot of these places, there's barely any cell service. There's no water, no electricity. Uh, Basic government services are extremely limited.
1: Now, Jeff, you and I have uh, been through a number of storms together and worked on on, uh, quite a few of those. Uh, Explain to our listeners what the people on the ground there are going to be experiencing in the days ahead?
10: Yeah, look, you know, the first thing I want to say, Tony, uh, before we go into that is, is the one thing that I thought was remarkable about this storm, and of course, we know that South Louisiana, like all of Louisiana, it has a lot of faith-based community, right? People understand and believe and fear God. And uh, what's remarkable about this storm is so far, the loss of life has been extremely minimum. You know, those people down in Southeast Louisiana uh, do like all of us do, put a lot of faith and credit in God. But over the course of the next three to four to five days, you know, people are gonna be starting to get back into their homes, uh, trying to put their homes together. The blue dark program, I'm sure the federal government will crank that up. Uh, There are a lot of, there's a lot of roof damage um, and of course, you know, it rains a lot in South Louisiana. Uh, they're going to be cleaning up. The amount of debris is just astronomical. Um, the destruction to both healthcare services like hospitals and to educational facilities like schools. I saw a number of schools that roofs uh, were damaged. So it's going to be interesting how we're going to be able to get kids uh, back to school
1: and you know in these challenging times you talked about the the the, the spiritual component uh, the of louisiana of south louisiana faith is a is a large part of who we are it's also a, a factor in why we help one another and so you see some of the best in people at this time helping their neighbors and then you have the faith-based organizations that are coming in and people begin to partner along with them uh, but in these initial days in uh, weeks it's it's, uh, it's tempting sometimes to feel isolated because you're cut off from the communications, you don't have the television, and you feel isolated when you're in these situations. So when you see these uh, faith-based organizations coming in like Samaritan's Purse, the, the Southern Baptist, Catholic Charities coming in to help, uh, that is a real encouragement to folks.
10: Tony, I can tell you this. Uh, you know, I've been dealing with hurricanes since Hurricane Andrew in 1991, and I can tell you the most effective efficient, uh, and best organizations to deal with people during these times are faith-based organizations. I've completely lost uh, confidence uh, in the government uh, and and some of the larger charitable organizations. I can tell you that the best place, uh, uh, if people are out there wanting to to help us down in South Louisiana, is to seek out faith-based organizations like Samaritan's Purse, uh, talk to friends and neighbors who have friends down in South Louisiana. They can give you some of the great faith-based organizations that are doing just great work down there. And you're right. You know, w- one thing that's interesting, I w- I was down there yesterday and today, and just in 24 hours, you can see the difference uh, that people are already making. They're not worried whether or not the debris is in their neighbor's yard and their yard uh, or across the street, and they don't even know who that is. They're picking that up. They're clearing the roadways. They're doing everything they can to ensure that those basic governmental uh, services like water, electricity, and sewer get back up so they can get their community back up and and going.
1: Well, we appreciate you taking time. I know you're very busy, uh, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us today. And I know you and I are going to be talking uh, uh, later in the week as we uh, zero in on some of those hardest hit areas.
10: Well, thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it appreciate it. And we certainly do appreciate all the prayers of the audience out there.
1: All right. Attorney General Jeff Landry of Louisiana, uh, who's always there on the front lines, uh, helping out when uh, these natural disasters seem to hit. and They seem to be hitting more frequently, as I was talking about yesterday. All right. In two weeks, California will hold a recall election for its governor for the second time in the state's history. It's only the second time. On September the 14th, California voters will be asked two questions. One, if they want to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. And two, the question will be who should replace him if he is recalled. If 50% or more of the voters answer yes to the first question, the candidate with the most votes in the second question becomes the governor of America's most populous state. With me now to talk about the bad policies that led to this moment is nationally, uh, we're going to be joined, well, we're waiting to get uh, Larry Elder's going to be joining us, the sage from the South Central. He's a attorney and a syndicated radio talk show host who's been tracking uh, the uh, actions of Gavin Newsom there in California. In fact, I was out there in California. It was interesting because I've been out there a few times this year and uh, I was out there with my son. We went to uh, a a ranch, J.H. Ranch, father in California. teen ranch. Uh, But it was interesting this time, uh, juxtaposed to earlier in the year, you know, when Newsom was uh, cracking down on all the churches meeting, you had the mask mandates everywhere. Uh, It's interesting with this um, second wave of the coronavirus that he didn't impose the mask this time. I wonder why. Well, I think it was because of the political pushback when he shut down the state Forcing masks, you know, pushing the vaccines, um, forcing many of those onto uh, state workers. And I, I look, I, I think he realizes that he's in serious trouble because of the policies that he has pursued. Now, we can get into some of the other policies, what he's been pushing in the public schools out there. Um, there's no end to the stuff, every wacky idea... That the left has, has not just been talked about in California, but has been implemented. I mean, a massive government overreach, you know, acting without the legislature when it came to the coronavirus, uh, the the executive orders uh, that he did declaring California a vote by mail state, even though they didn't have the infrastructure for it, uh, the massive shutdowns. Of, of private businesses, which created a loss of jobs, um, unemployment checks going to prisoners and felons in the amount of five hundred million dollars, um, two billion, according to one website, two billion in unemployment fraud, um, an eighty million dollar a billboard education plan to remind people to social distance, $80 million to tell people to stay away from one another. But it was just, there's no end to the craziness of Gavin Newsom. And as a result, the, it was kind of like a perfect storm as he kept pushing all this stuff and people saying, no, we've had enough. And so that really gave rise to this recall effort Nobody thought would happen, but they uh, they did it. They reached the threshold, and so now we're going to see on September fourteenth, the California voters are going to have the uh, the opportunity to answer uh, these two questions: whether or not they want to recall Newsom and uh, who should replace him. Uh, so we're still waiting. I think to connect with uh, with Larry and get his take on. Uh, what led to this point in time, and what may be the outcome. Um, You know, I'm I'm really wondering, you know, you look at, you hear this all the time about the pendulum swinging back and forth. Remember that California was a state in which Ronald Reagan came from. Now, it was a, uh, obviously, it's always been a large state, but it was a conservative-oriented state, pro-business, pro-growth, But then somewhere along the way, they got lost. And we saw this uh, move to the left with all these leftist policies far outside, even the left, I mean, the typical liberal policies and, and everything that's, um, I mean, just any crazy idea, it's been tried in California as a result they're driving businesses out. I, I'm not quite sure how the state survives as they are uh, taxing businesses, uh, putting more on the business community with the outlandish social policies. I, I'm frankly just not sure how it's, uh, it's it's going to work. May not. But I think this is why you see for the only the second time in the state's history that there is going to be a, uh, they've approved a recall of the governor because so they just, they've had enough. Now, we've also seen in the 2018 2020 election, we saw some reversals of the, uh, some of the congressional seats that had gone Democrat have gone Republican. And So there's kind of a regrouping. The question is, have they, and my question I have, is have they reached a point that's just too far to rebound? Because, you know, a lot of people have left the state. I've talked to a number of business owners in California that have moved to Nevada. Uh, They've moved to Oregon. I mean, they've just moved out of the state because of the uh, the. The high taxes and crazy policies. Okay, I think we've got uh, Larry now. Uh, Larry Elder, welcome to Washington Watch. Tony, thank you so much for having me. I hope you hear me okay. All right. Do we have audio uh, for Larry? I have. Audio Larry, can you? you... Okay, hear you, Larry. Larry. All right. Very good. Well, let's start off um, two weeks. The the voters of California are going to have an opportunity to decide whether or not they want to replace uh, Governor Newsom. But I want to ask you the question. What has led us to this point? Have have the voters of California finally said enough of this craziness? Uh, They
0: have. One point seven million people signed a petition to recall this man. Uh, At least a third of them were people that voted for him just two years earlier. By that I'm talking about independents. Uh, and Democrats. Uh, The majority of Hispanics, about 65% of them, voted for him two years earlier. But Tony, right now they are angry. They're angry at the way the state has been shut down against science. Uh, You know that the governor famously sat up there at that French laundry restaurant with the very lobbyists uh, and drafters of the mandate that he was ignoring by not wearing masks, by not engaging in social distancing. Uh, His own kids were enjoying in-person private education while denying in-person education uh, for the kids here in California. 80% of whom are black and brown. I only mentioned that, Tony, because the left prides itself on caring about black and brown students. Now, before the pandemic, 75% of black boys could not read at state levels of proficiency, and those levels were already low. Now about half of third graders cannot read at state levels of proficiency, and the majority of black and brown parents living in the inner city, Tony, they want school choice. They want to be able to put their kid in a charter school, uh, in a private school, Uh, homeschooling or religious school. Uh, They want the money to follow the child rather than the other way around. And the number one obstacle to that, of course, is the teachers union. The teachers union Mm. is the most powerful union in California. They're the largest funder of my opponent. They've already given him a a couple of million dollars to defeat me. Altogether, he's raised about 50 million dollars from the usual suspects, teachers union, public sector union, Hollywood, big tech. And people are angry, not just because of the decline in quality of school, not just because of the way He shut down the state, Uh, by the way, shuttering one third of all small businesses. Many of them are owned by black and brown people. We also have a a rise in homelessness. Uh, And for the first time, the average price of a home in California, Tony, has hit eight hundred thousand dollars. That's one hundred and fifty percent above the national average. And for the first time in our state's history, one hundred and seventy year history, people are leaving.
1: So, Larry, the the, the straw that broke the camel's back was his overreach with the coronavirus, the mask, the shutdowns. Is that that it?
0: Uh, That's it. And um, again, you look at what he's done. He's just now imposed yet another mandate. If you're a state worker, if you've not been vaccinated, you're going to be tested once a week and you're going to be required to wear a face mask at work. Now, think about that. I'm not anti-vax. I've been vaccinated because of my age and because I've got an underlying blood condition. My doctor strongly advised me to do it. But everybody in California who wants to be vaccinated has been able to get vaccinated. If you're poor, you can get vaccinated for free. A lot of people have made the, sense that the decision not to do it. I mean, after all, right. didn't Kamala Harris and, uh, uh, and Joe Biden say if Donald Trump said to take the vaccine, they weren't going to take it? And it was right. approved on an emergency basis by the FDA. And a lot of people just don't trust it. I was on a I, campaign I agree, side.
1: Not anti-vax, but it should be, I am, uh, am pro-choice pro when pro it comes freedom. to people being able to make their decision as That's to right. what's best for them when it comes to getting these vaccines. Larry, we're out of time. I 30 want to seconds. Thank you for joining us. Always great to talk with you.
0: Let's go to electelder.com, electelder.com, Tony, throw a little something in the tip jar, because I'm going to need to raise some money to defeat this man. But he's gone after September 14th.
1: All right, Larry, great to talk with you. Folks, good to talk with you. Good to be back. Hope to talk to you again tomorrow. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.